We are a resource for learners, including every member of the Livestrong Cancer Institute's on-track educational pipeline from middle school to residency. We are a growing collection of interviews, talks, and experiences that uncover the myths and the uncertainties of cancer and careers in cancer in order to empower and inspire generations of thinkers and leaders. This is Cancer Uncovered, an education and empowerment podcast by the Livestrong Cancer Institutes. You took hold of your life and said, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to do something that changes my life and makes it better. And I saw that in you. I'm Ginger Okoro with the Livestrong Cancer Institutes, an emerging cancer center at the University of Texas at Austin's Dell Medical School. Our special guests today are Dr. Melissa Chavez and Linda Nickel who have an open and honest conversation on vulnerability. Listen in as we evaluate how vulnerability plays a role in our multiple professional lives, family lives, with friends, researchers, as medical professionals, and as patients. Melissa, you can go ahead and kick it off. Tell us about your background, about your journey, your family, anything that you're willing and wanting to share. My name is Melissa Chavez. I'm the Associate Vice President and Superintendent of the University of Texas University Charter Schools. I run 24 schools across the state of Texas. Our schools are in residential treatment facilities and psych hospitals, and I absolutely love what I do. And I'm Linda Nickel. Professionally, I'm a paralegal at a law firm in Austin, Texas, and my side hustle, hobby, passion, what I throw my money and my time and my energy into is photography. I host weekly photography webinar called the happiness hour where I bring in photographers from around the world and I invite people to come and join us. So I wanted to kind of kick it off Linda. With, do. do you remember the first do time I, we met? I do. <laughs> Let's talk about that. You go first. Remember <laughs> what were we doing? <laughs> well um, I was sitting there with I believe I don't know I think they made us drink eight cups of like 64 ounces of water and so all I could focus on was I want that bathroom and hurry up and so we were sitting outside the waiting room to um, get our respective treatments for radiation which was not a fun time in my life. I do remember the day that you and I met it wasn't a fun time in my life either. I remember not the water part but I remember we'd have to get undressed And they had these little bitty closets. You got undressed and you put on this little paper-like robe. And you sat in a waiting room with everyone else in a paper-like robe. And you were waiting your turn to get your radiation. I sat next to you and you started talking to me. And you were so kind. And you were telling me about your life and your family. And then you gave me soap. Do you remember giving me soap? (laughs) (laughs) That was not the first meeting. Oh, that wasn't the first meeting. Oh, well, that was the first meeting I remember. And you gave me the soap and I thought, 
Oh, this lady's really Do you remember and nice. That was something that I picked up while I was getting my treatment. And it was a hobby or something that I could pour my time and energy into at home, basically trying to avoid being around people just because my system was so vulnerable. If someone had a cough, it was going to be something that I needed to avoid. So that was something I picked up at home. And because radiation was tough on my body, chemotherapy wasn't so much, but radiation was. And I had figured out how to make a soap formula that would calm my skin. And I remember you telling me and showing me how burned you were. I'd never seen skin that flaming hot pink red. And I remember thinking, I hope she's there tomorrow because I'm going to bring her some of my soap. And that's kind of where we kicked off sitting next to each other in a waiting room. Absolutely. I felt very vulnerable during that time, obviously for many reasons. One, you know, you're sick and two, you're naked and you're (laughs) right. And you're with people that you don't know. And we sat with each other every day at 7.15 in the morning Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for seven and a half weeks to get our radiation together. And I think it was to me one of the most authentic and vulnerable and best friendships that I've ever had in my life. You're going to make me tear up. (laughs) And I don't do that. You were actually in radiation a little bit longer than I was. Did you do eight weeks? I only did a little bit over, I think I did six, but I did seven and a half. <laughs> yeah. So we were there. We were stuck together for a long time. Every morning, every morning. I think it was a sad place to develop a friendship, but it's a friendship that has lasted all these years. We're what, seven years past all of that? Reflection is a really important part of healing and moving forward uh, because we get to be true to ourselves, our journeys, and make that push forward into living our best selves. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is putting your true self out there. Here I am putting my shame aside and I'll be vulnerable right now because cancer puts you there. Mm-hmm. How did that bring you into this space where you went from creating your own soap to creating this fantastic next career into photography. Tell us how like your space and vulnerability and having cancer and having had to live through that and be that person take you to where you are now. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't tell very many people. I held it very, very close. And I did not even share it with my siblings. I told my parents because I needed help, but I'm a busy paralegal and I didn't tell anybody. And one day when my secretary cornered me and said, you sure are going to the doctor a lot? What's going on? And the next thing you know, I've got two other very close friends at work cornering me, asking me the same question. And I had to own up to, this is what I'm doing This is what the doctor tells me I have to do. And we're not going to talk about it. We have work to do. And I was able to contain that. And it really let me focus and get my work done. And then when I got home, I had 
outlets. And my outlet happened to be photography. I never missed work with the exception of the days that I had to have my chemotherapy treatment. Otherwise, once every three weeks, I missed a day. People gave me space. And that is something that I value today. I really appreciate that I got this space. And this is the first time I've actually talked publicly about my cancer. So it's something that it does not define me and never has. I look at post-cancer and the things that I've accomplished and the things that I want to accomplish. There's a long list. So I didn't have time for it. Have time for it. In my perspective, me, you know, watching you and going through the the cancer journey with you and then coming out of it with you and staying out of it with you. I just saw you put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Like so vulnerably, you weren't a photographer. You taught yourself. You went to countries that I would be scared to go, but you got on planes and you did them by yourself. And you mm-hmm. went, you met people that you didn't know and you stayed in their homes. <laughs> right? Like, right. And you just, to me, from my perspective, you took hold of your life and mm-hmm. said, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to do something that changes my life and makes it better. And I saw that in you. And I was just so proud yeah. to be your friend and to hear all the, every dinner when I hear you come back from your journeys. And I was just like, look at what Linda did. She took a cancer diagnosis, a cancer treatment that was hell, and she turned it into this wonderful life-changing, to me, a second kind of career for you. So I I just wanted to say that. The same thing I think happened to me when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was December the 18th, 2013. Mm -hmm. And I was leading a district for the University of Texas, one, one school district. And my boss at the time, you know, about a week after I'd already told him I had cancer, he came to me and said, I need you to lead this other district, like in addition to what you already do. And I was like, you know, I got cancer, right? I will never forget. He sat on my couch in my office and said, I know, and you can do this because I allowed myself to be vulnerable, vulnerable with you and vulnerable with my staff. I I allowed myself to not wear wigs and be bald at work and say, hey, I got cancer. And some days I'm going to be really grouchy Mm -hmm. and tired and sick. And some days I'm not. I mean, I went the other way. It's like, I've got the most expensive wig that I could afford. (laughs) Really expensive. Eyelashes. You know, if you really looked at me, you didn't know me. You didn't know that I had had cancer. You didn't see the scars. You didn't see any of that, the physical stuff. Now, maybe emotionally, maybe there was, it was there for sure. But I was able to keep that close with people that I could lean on. And you were one of those people. And because we were experiencing it at the same time, different kinds of cancer, but cancer is cancer and you got it, you've been through it. So it was easier to talk to somebody. So it was real easy to kind of like lean in. For me at work, I was vulnerable. And I think that it made me a really strong leader because I showed my staff that it's okay to go there, but not stay there. And we're going to do the work. And I too didn't miss a day. And I'm just so proud of 
the things you've accomplished. And I'm also proud of the things I've accomplished. I mean, the school districts that we run and how successful they are. And I think it's really important for people to know that you can have cancer. Yep. And you can have a career and you can excel at your career or even change your career during it. And just, you know, I just think that that is a message that really needs to be told. I don't disagree with one thing that you've said. And for me, I never skipped a beat. And that's just what my personality is. We've got to move. We've got to push forward and we have, we've got boxes to check, but I was able to come home and forget about what I'm doing at the office. And it was either sit on the couch and, you know, kind of feel sorry for myself or do something else. And one of the things I started doing And at the time, I wasn't really a good photographer, but I always have an opinion. And so I I don't take cancer as an excuse. I take it as turn it into something, help push people because it's wasting my time. It wasted nine months of my life. So when I mentor with photographers, I don't want to hear the excuses. I know if I can do this, you can too, because we've got the tools and now it's somebody else helping you. So I dig back to the support that I had with friends like you and another woman I met randomly at an airport and we just happened to look and she goes, I see your scar, the port scar. The port scar is that, you know, little badge of honor that, you know. The only we know. (laughs) That only we know. That little scar, yeah. Yeah. It's the reminder. And, and every once in a while I realized, oh, that it was something I had to do and I moved on from it. But every once in a while that port scar catches my eye and, and, it, and it just takes you right back of, we've both checked off a lot of boxes since then. And Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you had to go back in time, what would you do different? I think that I probably would have shared a little bit more with the people I worked with, I do regret just a little bit because I think it would have helped some of them a little bit more because it's, you know, when you work with somebody day in and day out, you know, when something's off and when they don't tell you, it makes them worry. But when you tell them, it makes them worry. So I do wonder if I should have been a little bit more open, but at the time there was no way in heck I was going to do that because I was the only one that had to deal with it. If I could go back, I think one of the things that reflecting on it, which is always good to do, is that I would have gotten more support from my family, my child and my husband, because I wasn't the only one that went through it all. And looking back, I think it was really hard on them Mm -hmm. and wish I would have pushed more for them to get therapeutic support or family support, just pushed it more. Just sitting next to you and knowing how strong of a person you are, you've always been an overachiever. And this is something that you are going to fix. You are going to take care of. And you didn't want them worrying about you. Yeah, you but know? they still, it still affected them. And but it still did. We think we're protecting people. Yes. And that's not always the case. You're one of my friends that you're high functioning. You're in a leadership role. What's your best advice for somebody that feels like they've got everything on their shoulders? That's a really great question. Allowing or giving yourself permission to have the feelings that you have is one of the main things. So 
I would tell myself, it's okay for me to be afraid. Being afraid is a feeling that is natural and okay. Have the feeling and then figure out what you're going to go next with it. You know, I remember being really afraid. Treatment number one was really hard for me. I was afraid to get those chemo treatments. And so I had feelings and emotions that I acted out in ways that maybe weren't very productive. So I would have those feelings, acknowledge them, have those behaviors, apologize, (laughs) and allow yourself to have the feelings and be really upfront with the people that you're having those feelings around about be vulnerable, have those feelings and acknowledge them, reflect about them, do self-care, self-awareness, all of those things is my advice. That's great advice. Melissa and Linda, since we're guiding the conversation for learners, what advice do you have or words of wisdom would you have for students? Linda, talk about your relationship with your oncologist, how strong that was and about her professionalism and the way that she built a relationship with you and the trust that you had in her. That was so powerful because that's not always the case with our care providers. She was so honest and upfront and offered no promises whatsoever, but she did say, I will do the best that I can do for you. She is absolutely my hero. And she talked to me. And we had conversations that weren't about cancer. And I still have to go see her twice a year. It's over in three minutes. And we spend the rest of the time talking about my trips or my photography or home improvement. You know, she talks to me like a friend, a very stern friend. You are going to go to radiation. And I just believed in her and I trusted her. And if you are able to convey that to a patient, you're halfway there because they've got to trust you and they have to trust that you're going to do everything that you can possibly do for them. Sometimes they're not going to win. You know, cancer is going to win a lot of times, but I think you as a doctor or care provider are going to sleep well, knowing that you did everything you could and your patient believed in you. If you're a provider And you can just reach out to them as humans and show that you you care. Science is going to be there. But the human connection people need, that will make it so much easier for them as a patient. When I think about my care team and that whole journey for a year of treatment and all the nurses and the techs and the doctors and the surgeons, and it was the ones that stopped and and said, oh, this is a human person that I'm going to do something to who's scared and who took the time to really learn about me and ask about me and become friends with me. And there should have been a box of tissues. No one told me that was part of this thing. I don't know. He's like, it'll be fun. What what are we doing? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of value in that. A lot of value in that. A lot of value in a really great friend. I think that was a great place to to end. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love it though. No, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate both of you and your willingness to be on the podcast and 
being part of our, our series. A willingness to display feelings, to be seen, even in the midst of trials, transitions, and treatments. Being vulnerable resonates across genders, socioeconomic determinants, and health statuses. It is personal. It is professional. But knowing how to fully embrace vulnerability quite possibly helps us reach the other side. Thank you for joining us today for this enriching episode. Did you enjoy it? Please like, subscribe, share, even post. For questions about this episode or the Livestrong Cancer Institutes, please email livestrongcancerinstitutes at delmed.utexas.edu. You can also follow our chair and director, Dr. Gail Eckhart on Twitter at S as in Sue, Gail, G-A-I-L, Eckhart, E-C-K-H-A-R-D-T. This is Ginger Okoro reminding you to open up a little bit. Vulnerability is difficult, but we can all do it together. I want to thank you for being an ongoing support of Cancer Uncovered.